0: It is an honor to be on this stage today, and we're going to continue in our series. We started months ago, can you believe? We started in February, a series called Kingdom Manifesto, and uh, we're tracking through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest recorded sermon uh, in the Bible, and uh, we, we, we are getting close to the end, only a few more weeks left. And so Jesus, obviously, is coming to a close in his, in his message to us, he has challenged us in so many ways. As a matter of fact, he's going to challenge us again today in in our uh, message notes, but he has taken us on this journey and he's given us what it looks like. If I wanted to know, what what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Well, the Sermon on the Mount gives me that picture, that description of what it looks like. And so we're going to continue to follow along today as Jesus teaches us. Uh, We're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Let's read this together. (laughs) It's Mother's Day. Y'all watch this. Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, he's talking about the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) The pastors, we sat, I don't know, weeks ago and we we were kind of like, you know, we reflected on what we had taught in this series. And then we looked forward. And we were kind of looking at the dates and we got to this one. This is, this is probably one of the, if it's not the hardest, it's one of the hardest messages to preach in the whole Bible. One of the hardest scriptures in the whole Bible. And, and somehow we were just looking, okay, we can preach that this week. And then, hold, hold up, that's Mother's Day. And it was like, can we change that? Is there anything we can do? And it was like, we're locked in. We have to do this. And it's like, and then I get to do this today here with you. And so, okay, so, so, so let me reach, let me reach, let me reach out there. And tie in this scripture with Mother's Day, okay? Here we go. <laughs> Pastor Casey said this. There's, there's, there's just, we honor the mothers because there's no greater role, there really isn't, to raise a child. Uh, you know, being a father is special, but being a mother is extra special. You, you mothers, are you're extra. And one of the greatest responsibilities of a mother is to raise up their children in the way they should go, right? In the ways of the Lord. And here Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. One of the greatest, I believe, responsibilities of a mother is to help their children know God. Not in a fake way, not in a religious way, but in a personal, intimate way to know God. There's no no greater way to do that than to model it, right, mothers? To be that example of what it looks like to be in a healthy, life-giving relationship with Jesus. For your children to, to see you pray, sometimes in desperation, for your children to see you worship and honor God. You know, I, I, I noticed there are some young, younger kids in here today, and, and you, you, might think, you might think that they're just coloring, you know. You might think that they're just down there playing with their little G.I. Joe in the seat pocket there, but, but they're watching you. They're watching you. Your teenagers that are in the room with you right now, they're watching you. And there's, there's no greater way to model that intimate, personal relationship with God than to teach your children, to teach your children what it means to love God, to where they won't stand before Jesus ever and him say, I never knew you. Wow. Come on, give it up for moms one more time. Yes. This will be the new Mother's Day sermon right here, okay? <laughs> Jesus has, he's, he's through this message series, he's given us a series of choices uh, two treasures, two masters, two gates to go through, two roads to follow, two different types of fruits. And last week he threw it out and he said, hey, I want you to beware. He's he's landing the plane here. He's finishing his sermon. He says, I want you to beware. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false teachers. Beware of anybody that's going to lead you astray from the truth of what I've taught you. Beware of those types of People and they do exist. In his day, they existed. False prophets did exist, and he probably had a few in the crowd that day as he was preaching this sermon on the hillside there north of Judea. And 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 there were probably there. There were probably some people going, I think he's talking about him." I think he's talking about him. Certainly, nobody would say he's talking about me, but he's talking about them. And and so he had false prophets in his day. They would try to mingle and mix the truth of God's word and make it. A little twisted, so people didn't know the truth, couldn't follow the truth of God's way, and we have it today. We do. We have it, and we kind of expounded on this last week. I'm not going to do that again. But I, I see here in this scripture, he's continuing talking about these false teachers, and I would almost say, beware when we begin reading Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," you know, these false prophets and teachers—they're not followers of Christ. They're doing their own thing. They're doing it for their own gain. They're doing it, and they deceive people. In ensuing and these people that follow them, they're, they're thinking they're doing the right things and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. When he says the word, Lord, Lord, to that crowd that day, many of them would be using that word in normal conversation. You know, when we say Lord, it's usually talking about Jesus, Right? But in Jesus' day, the, the word "Lord" in the Greek is, is "kurios," and it, it can mean a lot of things. It can mean "Lord." It would be something you would say, like if you were talking to a landowner who was very wealthy, or maybe a politician or a religious leader. "My Lord, my Lord." You've seen some of the old movies that had the English actors and the actors, and they would be like, "My Lord, my lady," you know. And so the, the word would be a very common word. It's not so much to us today, but it could also mean. In their day, it can mean something like "sir." So It'd be like saying "yes, sir," <laughs> "yes, sir." It'd be "yes, Lord." <laughs> we should try that sometimes. "Yes, Lord." It'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? But they would have they would have known it as a common word that was used just like that. And and I think sometimes in a worldly perspective, we sometimes we we, we don't understand the word "Lord." And so here he even says he's speaking of more of a heavenly perspective, and he's saying those who call me Lord, 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 you know. When we use the word Lord, we're talking about the king of the universe. We're talking about the master, the creator of all things, the Lord. And it, it provokes us to bow our knee. It provokes us to to worship the, the, the name Lord. But not everybody sees it the same as we do. And so here he even describes these false teachers, these false prophets that very well would have been saying, Lord, Lord. Hey, Lord, you know, hey, sir, sir, <laughs> sir. Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we Prophesy in your name. Didn't we do all kinds of fancy things in your name? And he said, I will declare to them, I never, what? I never knew you. We never had a relationship. And you don't know me either. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. A relationship with God is based on more than just lip service. I mean, we know that, right? We know that. At least in here we know. We know in our intentions. A relationship with God is based on action, not just confession. You've probably heard this statement. I've heard it many times. I may have even used it a few times. But I think some people want Jesus to be their Savior, but not necessarily their Lord. Not necessarily their their Lord and Savior, our Lord and Master. We want him to be our Savior, right? We want to go to heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven, right? Want to go to heaven. Come on, Wiggins. You want want to go to heaven? We want to go to heaven. We want to go to heaven. So certainly we want Jesus as our Savior, but... The implications then of him being our Lord means that we, we get off the throne of our life. Come on, let me get off the throne of my life and invite him as Lord to sit on the throne of our life. And that's good on Sundays. I mean, that's easy to do right after a worship service. You know, come on, none of y'all are sitting on the throne of your life right now. You've worshiped him. Come on, Lord, take your place. But as soon as church is over, right, Casey, and the doors are open and the sunshine, you're like, get out of here, Jesus. I need the throne back. You know, and so, so embracing him as Savior, yes, I want to go to heaven, but then embracing him as Lord, you mean I have to bow my knee? You mean I have to bow my will? I have to bow my desires? I have to give him everything? I have to say, I'm giving you everything, Lord. Literally, I'm giving you my life, my desires, my, my, my future. I'm giving you my, my occupation, my money. I give you all of my money, Lord. I'm giving you. Oh, some of y'all is like, hold up. <laughs> I gave you my life. I mean, I gave you my money, too. Come on. You know, I give you everything. I give you my kids. Oh, mothers, the best thing you can do ever in life is give your kids to God. Like some of you are like, can can I do it for the weekend at least? (laughs) We give our kids, we give our spouses, we give our, our desires, we give our hopes and our dreams. We give everything to him when we make him our Lord. But that's not always the case, Jesus is my Savior, but is he my Lord? When we recognize the grace of Jesus, that comes with the Savior side. But we fail to recognize the Lordship of Jesus. We find that we embrace the things we like about him, but we, we don't embrace the things we don't like. You, you could pick a topic. How about... Sexuality, sex before marriage. Can we talk about that on Mother's Day? No. No, Pastor, I don't like that one. Get off my throne, (laughs) Jesus. Right? Because we like the side of it's like, oh, he loves you. He blesses you. He saves you. Oh, he takes you by the hand and come on, let's go on this journey together. And so far so good, right? And he's like, can we talk? I need you to stop lying. Oh, okay, Jesus. Okay, Jesus. And you're going to have to quit stealing too. You're going to you're gonna have to pay your taxes. You ain't paid them in 10 years. Come on, somebody. Come on, elbow your spouse and say, you talking about you now. Oh, oh, oh. And you know what? You're going you're to have to quit having sex before marriage. But Jesus, my body, my right. Come on, Jesus, come on. Did I just step on somebody's toes? I'm sorry. Not y'all, just the online audience. It was a joke, not really, but it is. I mean, when he says, no, you can't do that, you know. When I, when I counsel young couples, I get the privilege of counseling young couples before I marry them. I don't marry people unless I counsel them. And when I say counsel, I say that very lightly. It's more biblical advice. And one of the things that, I always interject in there is that how are you going to respond when he tells you no or she tells you no? And and, and you could take that and it's portable. You could take that, you know, and and put it in context of your boss or your teacher, your coach, whatever. But, you know, we like yeses. You know, hey, can I do that? Yes. But how do you respond when you get a no? You know, if you ask your husband, can I, hey, can I go out with the ladies or can I go buy this new thing? You know, whatever. And your husband says no, you know. And maybe you're not in that kind of relationship. Maybe you're the boss, ladies. I don't know. But let's just say that y'all are in submission to one another. Let's just pretend. And then, you, you know, he says, no, how do you respond? How do you respond? You know, and you're like, come on, Jesus, take my throne. And Jesus takes the throne, and he's walking you by the hand, and he says, no, I don't want you to do that anymore. Aren't you glad God's a just God? Aren't you glad God's a just God? Aren't you glad God hates Evil people and bad things. do not you glad he hates the devil? Come on, somebody. Y'all are being too quiet. do not you glad he hates the devil? Aren't you glad he brings judgment on those evil things? And you know why God hates sin? Because it destroys your life. He hates sin. And he's too good of a daddy <laughs> to not talk about it. Hey, baby, you can't do that anymore. You've got to stop having sex before marriage. Well, I just don't think, I don't agree with that, Jesus. Get off my throne. You know, that's what we do. You, you don't do it. Really do that? But that's what's happening. And Jesus said, Don't you call me Lord, Lord, with lip service? It's, it's, it's not that. It's not about that. It's about your actions, not your intentions those who call, call me Lord, Lord, but they don't do the will of my Father. They don't do what the words of my Father, the words of my Father, that's it's the Word of God. It's the Bible. I'm doing this like you all have paper Bibles still. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's <clears throat> let me get my tablet <laughs> or my phone. It's the Word of God. <laughs> it's the Word of God. The Word of the Father, the will of the Father for you. His goodwill for you. Come on, somebody say goodwill. It's his goodwill. It's not his bad will. There's no such thing. And so Jesus is saying, that's what matters. Are you obeying? Am I truly on the throne of your life? Are you truly listening to me? Are you truly responding in a way that's submitted to me? Are you obeying me, the will of the Father? Are you doing it in your life? Because if not, we don't have a proper view of Jesus. You know, if you're just looking at Jesus and saying, Lord, Lord, as if you were saying, sir, sir. It doesn't cost you anything, but when you say Lord <laughs> and you bow your knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it costs you everything. And as I say many times in weddings, is that the commitment you've come here today to make? <laughs> wow. Jesus calls us to obedience to the will of the Father, which is obedience to the word of God. We see when we read the scriptures that the Father's will it really mattered to Jesus. He even earlier in this sermon taught us to pray and he said, pray like this. And, and one of the phrases was that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The truth of your will. Let it be made known here in my life. Let your will can we come on, Wiggins? Do you want to online audience? Come on, join me for here. We're gonna pray this right now. Just put your hands on your chest and let's pray this prayer. Father, let your will be done in my life here on earth, even as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray that way because he believed in the Father's will. He believed it to be right. He believed it to be true. He believed it to be applicable to the Christian life, to the disciple. Not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus is here calling us to obedience to the Father's will that is fueled by faith. His brother later, and we preached this message series last year uh, about this time, but in James chapter 2, verse 17, he talks about faith and works, and he says this He says, Faith without works is dead. In other words, faith without action is just good intention. We've got to apply Action In John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus is talking to this crowd and he says, if anyone loves me, come on somebody, you love Jesus, watch this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. What is this word? It's the will of the Father. He will keep my word and and my Father will love him. Okay, okay. It's coming together now, y'all. And my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will come to you. Father and me will come to you and make our home in you. What's the ingredients? That if I love him, I will obey him. And my father will love me, he said. My father will love you for what you did. Your actions. Your proof. (laughs) Your proof. The proof is in the pudding. Who said that? I don't remember. (laughs) You get it, right? Faith without works is... Dead. Faith without action is dead. Faith without obedience is dead. One more scripture, 1 John 5, 3, John also tells us, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. You know, if, if, if you look at God through a lens that he's, he's okay, so, so maybe, maybe your earthly father, it's not Father's Day, I can say this, your earthly father wasn't nice to you. Maybe he was hard. Maybe he was mean. Maybe he was abusive even, you know. And then so you you, you, you have a lens that you see the heavenly father with that maybe is, 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 you're filtering it through what your experience is here on earth. And you think of God as a hard, abusive, mean God. It's a wrong view, but it is your view nonetheless. And so if you're viewing God that way, then you are reluctant even to give Jesus your throne because you don't know what he's going to do. And then when you hear a preacher like me saying, you know, that you've got to obey God and that God loves you after you obey him and, and he can't love you if you don't obey him. When, when you hear those words, you're like, yeah, see, see, I was right. <laughs> because your lens is distorted. Your lens is perverted. It's not, it's not truth. But when your lens is the word of God, when you read the Bible and you begin to understand God and begin to perceive God the way the Bible teaches us about him, that he is a just God, he is a loving God, he's a righteous God, he's a righteous judge. And that is on your behalf. And you begin to see it that way. Your lens changes. It clears up. And now all of a sudden you begin to see God and his his will, his commandments are not burdensome. It's literally a joy to obey God. When you see God through eyes of love, when you understand that He cares for you. Some of you have good fathers. And since it's Mother's Day, I'll, I'll, I'll flip it a little bit. Some of you have good mothers. Many of you have good mothers. Maybe your mother's here with you today. And she has cared for you. She's nurtured you. She's taught you. She has been honest with you. She's disciplined you, but in a caring, loving way. And you love your mother. And you, got the, who's got the best mother in the world? Come on, somebody. Now, this is awkward, right? Because some of you aren't raising your hands and your mom's sitting there going, Come on. <laughs> Yeah. But you view your mother through that lens, that she, how she's treated you. And, and whatever she asks you to do, you're willing because her requests aren't burdensome. And that, that is the way Jesus is describing his father's will. His will, his commandments, his, his word is not burdensome. And at the end of the day... God not only wants proclamation, but he also wants demonstration. I'm reminded of a a passage of scripture that Jesus shared with us later in, in Matthew 25, where he talks about the sheep and the goats. Some of you have heard the story there. It says something like this. It says, when the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, this would be the end times, right? When the Son of Man comes in all of his glory and he brings his holy angels with him and he sets up his throne on earth and he brings the nations to himself and he divides the people from the sheep on his right hand, hello, sheep, and the goats on his left hand. Sorry, guys. (laughs) And so he divides them up, and he says to the sheep, well done. Come come and inherit the the gift of my father, the reward of my father for all that you've done. When I was naked, you came to me and clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was was outcast, you came and you took me in. And, and, And when I was in prison, you visited me. So come now and inherit. And and the sheep literally look at him and said, Lord, when, when, when did we do these things? And he said, when you did it to the least of these. When your actions reflected me. When you loved people like Jesus loves people, you did it unto me. And they're like, oh, wow, who's just being obedient? (laughs) And then the scripture says that he looks at the goats and shakes his head. Well, it doesn't say that, but I'm shaking my head. Oh, dear. And, there, and, and he said, depart, go into the place prepared for you. That's not good. And they're like, Lord, when? When did we not? And he said, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. When, when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was outcast, you didn't take me in. When I was in prison, you didn't visit to me. When you didn't do these things, you, you were doing them to me. You were neglecting me. Lip service. Lord, 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 Lord. But I never knew you. That's a heavy passage of Scripture. Y'all give it up for the goats. Say would do good. Come on. just. For... That's a hard Scripture, but it, it ties into today's Scripture. He, he's looking for relationship. Listen to me. God is looking for a relationship with you. Sometimes we serve him out of, Duty when he's calling us to serve him out of delight, out of an experiential relationship. I want to balance a little bit of what I just said with a quote from um, Christian theologian John Stott. He said, "This. He said Jesus is not teaching that the way to salvation or the way to enter the kingdom of heaven is by good works or obedience." For the whole New Testament offers salvation only by the sheer grace of God through faith. As Christians, we're, as Christians we're, we express our faith by our works, but it's not our works that get us into heaven. God has paid the price for us to enter heaven. As a matter of fact, you have to see this, but it's the Holy Spirit who draws us before we're saved. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts us. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us faith to believe that God is who he said he is and that he'll do what he said he's going to do. it's the Holy Spirit then that once we say, yes, (laughs) yes, Lord, (laughs) I receive your free gift of salvation, it's the Holy Spirit that regenerates us. We're new creations in Christ. That's his work. It's the Holy Spirit who then fills us and seals us. And saves us. We're saved because of the work of God. But what Jesus did on the cross. And the Holy Spirit ratifies that in our, in our souls. And you see how much I had to do with that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was my part. <laughs> yes, Lord. I didn't do anything to warrant my salvation. I didn't do any works. So you have to see that. But once I'm saved, once I'm sealed... Once I'm regenerated and filled with the Holy Spirit, now my life is different. I'm changed. And the fruit of my life should reflect what has happened to me. I am not the same. I've been changed. Come on, somebody. That's what happened when you got saved, right? Are you with me now? You didn't do anything to get saved, but now that you're saved, you get to do things. You get to do things because you're different. You don't do the things you used to do. That were against God, that were evil. That's what I said a while ago. He grabs us by the hand once we're saved. You got me, right? You following me? He grabs us by the hand once we're saved. And he's like walking us out. And he's like, okay, I've I've seen a few things in your life that are causing destruction. Y'all do know that once you're saved, you're not, that doesn't mean you're good. Well, I got saved. Now I'm good. I don't sin anymore. (laughs) But then you sin, you think, well, I must not be saved because I sinned. But that's not true. So he grabs you by the hand and he, come on, are you with me now? He grabs you by the hand. He's walking and saying, let me tell you, there's a few things I need to talk to you about. And that's the whole idea of letting him sit on the throne of your life. That's the relationship that he's calling us to. I'm going to give you quick four things and we're going to wrap up here. Quick four things that I believe will help you in your walk with God, in a relationship with God. If you want to have a healthy relationship with God, number one, you've got to communicate. You've got to communicate with God. True disciples pray, not only to be heard by God, but also to learn to hear God's voice. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Isn't that what we're after here? Moms, isn't that what we want to teach our kids? To know God, to hear his voice. The Greatest thing you could ever do is to teach your kids to know God and to hear his voice. We pray not only to be heard. We do pray to be heard. God, help me. <laughs> I need you. And Yes, we pray to be heard. But part of that prayer is to listen. Listen, to hear the voice of God for our lives, there's probably no greater affirming moment than when you hear the voice of God. And I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he's gonna sound like Charleston Heston. Moses set my people free. I don't I don't know that it's gonna sound like that. Probably won't. Probably won't. That wasn't even Charlton Heston. But some of you are like, who is Charlton Heston? You know who Charlton Heston is, Pastor. He's Moses. Yeah, no. It, it may be a still small, quiet voice on the inside. As a matter of fact, that 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 leads us to another one of our points, but um, I'm I'm gonna come to it in a second because I have to go to the second one. Number two. <laughs> Sorry, I got out I got out of order here, Jared. Um, healthy relationship with God. Number one is communicate with God. Number two is commitment. True disciples affirm Jesus' lordship. They submit to His authority. They let Him sit on their throne permanently. Come on, let him sit on your throne of your life, throne of your heart, permanently. Let's don't have this timeshare thing going on, right? You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. First John 2, 3 says, by this, uh, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. True disciples affirm Jesus' Lordship. Submit to his authority and obey his commands. Obey his word, obey. You open his word, you read his word, you say, Lord, help me to obey your word. And the Holy Spirit says, I will help you. And there he goes, he's helping you. To obey his word. Number three, community. This is the one I wanted to get to. Community. True disciples gather to inspire the church toward faithfulness to our confession to one another and to our neighbor. We, we, we need each other. The Lord is leading us along the way. And then we talk to him. We say, Lord, I need and I'm praying. And I, if you would, and, but not my will but yours be done. And all of a sudden you hear something, You know, something inside the voice of God and he speaks to you. And you're like, okay, I think this is God. And you go to someone who's a like-minded believer and say, man, I want to tell you, I think I heard the voice of God. This is what he said. And you get, get a little confirmation. You get a little, that, that sounds like God. That sounds like something God would say. Or the opposite. You know, you might hear something and then that person's saying, oh, no, oh, oh. that goes against the word of God. That's not, that's not truth. You know, I, I don't know what that, bad, maybe that was gas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We need one another. We need one another. We are called the body of Christ. You know, one thing I love, one of the many things I love about Northwood Church is that we are one church, but we're four communities. So, right now, Wiggins is listening in. Wiggins is here with us, but Wiggins is not here, but we're one body. That's our family. And Wiggins, Gulfport's here. We're one family in Ocean Springs and Long Beach are here with us. We're, we're one church. And then, then we're one church with other churches. You know, one of the things we've done for years in Wiggins, and I'm sure we have in Gulfport here, also is we've prayed for other churches because there are brothers and sisters in Christ when we all get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, we're going to all sing together and worship together. Amber might be leading us because she's a rock star, but we're going to be in heaven. And we're going to be singing, worshiping together to the King of Kings and next to my brother and my sister. and We need each other. Christ created this church thing. It wasn't some of our ideas. He created this. Hebrews tells us to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. There's the good works. The fruit. The fruit. Not neglecting to meet together to do what we're doing today as a habit of some. And please understand if you're online today and you're not able to make it, I understand you're facing all kinds of things and you couldn't make it here, but you're going to make it here, right? You want to make it here. You want to sit in the midst of the body. You want to know the people to your right and to your left are like you. We all need Jesus and we all need each other to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day, (laughs) the end, right? Drawing near. Lastly, number four, to have a healthy relationship with God, we have to have confidence in who God is and what he said. And that's part of the relationship. That's part of, and and, and I have to illustrate it again, but the, the Lord holding your hand, are you with me again, brother? He's holding your hand and he's walking along. And, and, and know this, he's not always saying you need to stop this and you need to stop that. That's just periodically. There's a lot of times the Lord says, I love you. I'm proud of you. You are a godly man. You are growing in your faith. The Lord is your helper. He's your encourager. He's... He's your coach. He minds out the best in you better than anybody else can. He knows the intent of your heart and he minds out the qualities. You believe that? And part of that process is us growing to know him. And as you, as you grow to know the Lord, you grow to trust him more and you, you grow in your confidence that he is who he said he is, and by golly, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Confidence, assurance, faith. To where when hurdles come in life and challenges come, you hit it head on because you know, my God's with me. If you've heard the story of David and Goliath, David confidently looked at that giant that totally outnumbered him in size and strength and weight and armor and all that kind of stuff. I mean, come on, he was a young guy with a sling and five little stones. He wasn't fighting with a sling and five little stones. He was fighting with the confidence he had he said, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, who I trust, I have confidence in, because I've walked with him through thick and thin. When the bear came, he helped me to kill the bear. When the lion came, he helped me kill the lion. Whenever any adversity came, he helped me through it. And, and I will overcome this time because I've got him on my side. There's confidence that comes with a walk, with a relationship with the Lord. I'm gonna tell you something. This is, this is, this is kind of crazy. And, and, and I don't even know if Pastor Van and Pastor Casey is gonna prove this. They might throw rocks at me for this. They probably won't, but they, let me tell you something. So many of you, so many of you, so many of you have been trying to be good, thinking that impresses God. And you've, you've put so much energy into fighting your sin that you've failed to connect with God on a level that's, that leads to relationship, leads to confident assurance. And I believe this, I believe this, and you can look at the book of Romans and it confirms what I'm saying now, but I believe this. If you would put the same amount of energy that you're putting into fighting your sin into loving the Lord, the sin would go away. You got it backwards. You got it backwards. You think you got to quit sinning so he'll love you. And the Bible says you got to love him to quit sinning. Oh my goodness. on to that hand maybe you're reaching up today dad father I'm sorry I sinned and he's like "Ah, that's okay we got a lot of time to fix that (laughs) come on walk with me now I'm walking like an old man I know (laughs) sometimes I think God's old but I don't know he maybe he's not he doesn't live in time right and you grow in your confidence confident assurance fully persuaded True disciples are sustained by a hope that comes from the Holy Spirit, that they are saved. That instead of hearing, depart from me, I never knew you, you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. My boy, Jimmy, my boy. Come on, man. Jimmy, I think God's just going to just kiss all over Jimmy's face. Like a big teddy bear. Just like, I don't know. That's weird, but I just think that. Like, because He loves you. And that all starts, it all starts when we realize that us being on the throne is a mess. We mess things up so bad. And loosening your grip on the throne of your life and stepping down and inviting Jesus to take his rightful place in my heart, be the king of my heart, to sit on the throne of my life and then me releasing it and beginning to obey him, beginning to do what he says. It begins when I bow my knee. Come on, let's get along with God all over the room right now. Take a moment to get along with Christ. Father, I pray a prayer today, Romans 15. I pray, God, that you would fill us with hope today. You are the God of hope. Would you fill us with hope today, with the joy and the peace that comes with believing. Oh, by the power of the Holy Spirit that we may abound in hope. All over the room today, we are desperate to forsake our thrones and get out of the way and let you have it. Come on, somebody. This is your moment. You've been struggling. You've been wrestling. You've been fighting and kicking. And today God says, I'm here, but I'm not going to take it. you got to give it. you got to give it up. Come on, if that's you today, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. A prayer of faith. A prayer of repentance. Just say something like this. Say, God in heaven. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn from them today. And I ask you to save me. Take your rightful place on the throne of my life. I invite you to come live inside of me. Oh, Lord, would you teach me to know you. Would you teach me to trust you. Come on, just tell him something like this. Say, Jesus, I give you all of me. And I receive all of you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, just look at me real quick. The Bible tells us that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and you confess it with your mouth, which is what we were doing just now, that we would be saved, rescued, saved from eternal separation from God, saved from hearing the words, I never knew you. And God's now saying, come on, grab my hand. Let me show you how to live this life. Let me show you how to do it now. Because I know you don't know how. Let me show you how to do it now. Come on, church. Give it up for those who made decisions today. All over. Online audience, we're clapping for you too. Wiggins.